first reading is from Daniel, the 12th chapter. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who is charge of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never has been there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered, every one whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dusk of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on the bank of the stream and one on the bank of the stream and one on that bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream, how long shall it be till the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be a long time, times and a half a time, and that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, O oh my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? He said, Go your way, Daniel. For the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined. But the wicked shall act wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand. And those who are wise will understand. And from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away, and they have and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. But go your way till the end, and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. This is the word of the Lord. Our psalmony today is Psalm 16. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are excellent ones in whom in all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another, God, shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. 
The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of light, life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The second reading is from Hebrews 10, Christ's sacrifice once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ is offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool at his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on my minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in the full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the the, con the confession of our hope without wavering for he who is promised is faithful and let us consider how to stir up one another to love in good works not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near for if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. 
How much more worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 13th chapter. And as he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he. And they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of birth pain. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, Do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and a father his child, and children children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. This is the Gospel of our Lord. So last week, in an effort to make sure that I communicated the, uh, the theme or the point of the sermon, I told you up front what, what that theme or part of the sermon was supposed to be. The part that we wanted you to go away with that day. Last week, it was, it was this phrase or these phrases. Giving to be saved? Never. Giving because you're saved? All day, every day. That was last week. What I want you to walk away with. Here's the theme. That knowing Jesus prevails. Now, I'm not talking about knowing about Jesus. There are a lot of people that have read the Bible. They've been culturally around Christianity all their lives. 
But that doesn't mean that they've submitted and that they know and they have a relationship with Jesus. That's a whole nother level. So this is what I'm talking about. When you know Jesus, that biblical relationship that he's talking about knowing, knowing Jesus, it prevails. Now today's gospel lesson, Mark chapter 13, you'll notice that it picks right up where we left off last week. Last week we ended at the end of chapter 12, this is 13. Jesus is in the last day of his public ministry in Jerusalem. This is Wednesday of Passion Week. And last week we listened to Jesus as he exposed the sinful actions and the sinful motives of the religious political leaders, the one in charge of the government of the nation. He exposed them. He also exposed the depth of their corruptive power and their greed by calling to attention the way that all the people were participating in this system. Even the impoverished widows were dropping their last food items, food money, to be saved. They were coerced, coerced and shamed into supporting an evil government. And this government, it had emphasized a problem. It had created a problem, if you will. And they presented and controlled the solution. And this government forced national compliance. They profited and they secured their worldly power through it all. And that system was exposed. And in time, that system was destroyed because in year 70, it did crumble. Now, by this time on the last day of his public ministry, Jesus has brought public ministry to an end. He's now going to speak privately to his disciples. For the remainder of this day and for the next day, the focus is on his talking and his teaching them. Now, with that in mind, a young couple had recently been married and in their marriage, they had had secure jobs. They'd, they'd actually had those before they got married, but their jobs were secure. They'd come together and they purchased their first home. Oh, and they were fully participating in church. I mean, they were there for Sunday worship. They just loved to worship. Um, they were at the midweek Bible study group where it was just their, like their, their cell group of their friends and their other friends meeting in homes once a week. There they would pray. They would read God's word. They would have their fellowship time together and they would just keep each other accountable to their walk with Jesus, right? They did that every week. They were, they were dancing, if you will, in the Spirit of God. It was beautiful. It was, they were faithful. It was, it was neat to watch as a pastor this young couple and their love of their Lord and their participating in the kingdom. They were giving. They were serving. They were just all in. And then finally, one day, they brought news and said, hey, we're going to have a baby. We're with child. And how exciting this is. And, and at that point, all the plans in their life and all the plans of their family are set in motion in their minds, right? They're just dreaming up all the future is going to be. The terrifying parts as well as the joyful parts, right? They're, putting, they're getting their rooms and their house ready for this child. They're, they're getting the baby supplies and the furniture. They're getting the car seats. They're working on the names, and they're going to honor a family member with this first name. Depends on whichever, whether it's boy or girl. The friends and family are gathering for the baby showers. You know how that goes. And for months, these plans and these dreams and these hopes are just pouring forth and taking shape. Mom is as healthy as a mom can be. The baby looks to have great health and great form. You know, the little sonic things, the head is in good order, the heart's beating right, the arms and legs and the fingers and the toes. I always say the nose where it's supposed to go, you know, that kind of thing. They were 
They were just so blessed. It was beautiful to watch. Late in their pregnancy now comes the day, and, you know, like, she's very pregnant. And one afternoon, she's driving on, it's 1604, I think it's like three lanes going this way and three lanes going this way, and it's just busy all the time. She's driving on the 164 in San Antonio, and, and all of a sudden a strong contraction comes, and now she's feeling like she peed herself, but the water broke, and it's in her car, and she's in the middle lane, and she's going fast, so she finds a way to pull over. She's calling, calling her husband, calling this, and first responders come. They get there pretty quick. They get her in her car, and they whisk her to the hospital quickly. When she gets to the hospital, the, the, the labor and delivery team's meeting them at the ER section. Boom, they get in the, and they take her up to the room. Husband finally gets there. There are hours of this uh, labor's going on. And a healthy baby girl is born. Oh my gosh, it was great. Mom's recovering. She's receiving some of that post-delivery care. Baby is being taken care of by the medical team. You know, they're taking the fingerprints and doing all that sort of stuff and wrapping her tight in those little blankets. And then there's the pictures, the phone calls telling everybody the good news because it was a surprise. Parents didn't have a chance to get there yet. What a beautiful day. What a beautiful evening until it wasn't. About an hour after delivery, in the calm of the evening, families on their way, resting and sleeping from the strain of childbirth, mom's heart rate monitor on the machine signals a flat line. Mm. Alarms are going, what? Nurses rush in. The machine's right. They check her. They try and feel a pulse. There is no heartbeat. There is no pulse. Alarms are hit. Calls are made. People are hollering out. The, the chaos that's organized goes into motion. Chest compressions, oxygen bags squeezing on the outside. People are rushing into the room at this point. Cables and stuff are being disconnected. They're ready to run her off on this bed down the car to what something might be a surgical emergency kind of a room. Dad and newborn daughter, they're left in the room alone. What is happening? 30 minutes later, doctor comes into the room. Sorry, sir. Your wife has died. She was bleeding internally. We did our best. We did everything we knew to do. And we're sorry. In those moments, this father experienced an uncomprehensible shock. A violation of all that is good. How can this happen? She was so healthy. This is a premier modern-day hospital in the United States. Our plans, our dreams, our life, it's over. How can I raise this little girl by myself? Oh, God. Later, he said, I couldn't finish the words. All I could say is, 
Oh, God. Now the shock upon the young dad, the shock upon his wife's parents, they never saw it coming. That possibility never entered their mind. They were not prepared. And as a pastor witnessing it all, I can tell you it was devastating. And I share that story with you now because in today's Bible lesson, there's a strong connection. In Mark chapter 13, um, and friends, this, this chapter was a devastating shock to the disciples. It will be even a greater shock to them what they're about to hear in chapter 13 than potentially the shock when they heard for the first time that Jesus tells them, and I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and instead of being your king, they're going to, one of you will betray me, they will arrest me, they will convict me, and I will die on a Roman cross. Greater than the shock of that day is what they heard on this day. They have followed Jesus for three years. They have left their families. They have left their communities. They have left their businesses. They have given their lives to follow Jesus. They have left everything behind to follow him. They have witnessed things and experienced things that the world finds hard to believe and fails to comprehend even today. And at the end of three years, because they've been told repeatedly, they know that that Jesus will go to that cross, but he's also confirmed to them that he's the Messiah. And in ways that they've seen and they don't understand that he is a son of God because he's doing things that no one on earth can do apart from God. At the end of these three years, the king has arrived and entered the city of Jerusalem, and they're right there with them. Crowds celebrating palm branches, the works. Everyone is celebrating Jesus as this Messiah of God. He is the one who's finally going to fulfill the prophecies of all this Old Testament. And they believe that they're about to experience the establishment of God's glorious kingdom on earth with Jesus as their king. They're very familiar with passages like Isaiah 9 where it says the government will be on his shoulders that he will literally take over the rule of not only Israel, but the world. They think and believe that happens. They're familiar with Zechariah chapter 14, which lays out in great detail how the coming Messiah will establish his reign and rule in this world. They're familiar with every Old Testament promise that looked forward to the day of this kingdom that is established once he entered this city. That the Messiah will come. That Oh, we got a phone going Sorry. All right. The Messiah will come. He will establish his kingdom. He will destroy the enemies of God. He will destroy all the enemies of Israel. He will restore the glory of Jerusalem. He will gather the Jews into the land. He will set up his kingdom. And from that point, vantage point, there will be a rule over the world. This is what the faithful Jews knew and believed would happen. They put their hope into this. Israel would be favored among the nation of all nations. And that righteousness... And peace and knowledge and truth, that would fill the world. Everything looked in place and on schedule in the minds of these disciples. Until it wasn't. Jesus says to them, everything you see here, these great temple stones, 
this wall, this city, it's going to be thrown down. Peter, James, and John, and now they add Andrew the fourth. They're like, what is going on? So they approached Jesus privately. They said, Lord, when's this going to happen? And, and Lord, what about the coming kingdom? They know that Jesus is, has been talking about his death. They're kind of prepared for that because they, they know what will happen. They know the, the events of betrayals and arrest and crucifixion. But they also heard him say, and on the third day I will rise. And so they fully anticipate that when he rises, he's going to rise as the king. And as this king who has defeated sin, death, and the devil, that this king will set up his kingdom and it will be good from this day going forward. They have placed their hopes and their dreams into this Messiah and, and, and into this kingdom that they've, they've waited their whole life for. That's not what they come away with. Stunned. In ways that you and I can't understand that message that Jesus gave, it was confusing. It was shocking. It was unwanted. It was unwelcome. And they didn't know how to deal with it. Yes, Jesus will die. Yes, Jesus will rise. They got that. But then only after some long and unknown period of time, time that's going to include the same worldly debauchery and war, the same hardships and distress that has always been, famines and people having bad things happen to them, that there'll be an oppression of God's truth and, and the persecution of God's people only after an unknown period of time of that that you'll establish your kingdom? That's not what we signed up for. That's not what we've been longing and hoping for. How is that in line with what you told us was going to happen? That the followers, that your followers, Jesus, that you're going to be, we are going to be hated by this world? We're going to be subject to persecution and even death? And on top of that, there's going to be false prophets, false teachers, and they're going to fill history with their deceptive ways until your kingdom comes. And only after that, when we don't know when that is, that your kingdom will be. Lord. They're shocked. They didn't see that coming. A young widow father, he entered a first long night with a newborn daughter in his arms. He was experiencing many things as he held that little girl, but he wasn't alone. Within about an hour and a half, he was surrounded by his mother and father, his in-law, mother and father, brothers, sisters, close Christian friends, converged pastors, hospital staff, they were all in the presence of God. God was in them and between them. And as much as he was shocked by death, as much as the family was shocked by this death, more than that, they shocked the world by their faithfulness and their life. That night, in the weeks and the months to follow, theirs was not a parade of broken, hopeless, angry, questioning people theirs was a parade of wounded but faithful and hopeful followers of christ when the world saw him 
And the world saw his parents and her parents and her brother and the rest of these people gathered. They saw sermons walking. The funeral was a celebration of Christian faith first. Then it was a celebration of a young lady who displayed that she knew and loved Jesus. Yes, they had tears in their eyes. And yes, when they spoke at the microphone, their voices were kind of broken because there was a lot of emotion. But they let everybody know there and every day of the life since that death was not the end of the story. It was not the final word. They reminded everybody and in their lives, they proclaimed to everybody that Jesus has promised to prepare a place for us. Jesus has promised to take us to that place and that those who faithfully endure will be blessed. And Jesus, they said, has always kept his promise. Eternal life with God and those they love. That's the final word. Yes, they had to say goodbye and they weren't prepared for that. But when they say hello, it was going to be good. For this family, knowing Jesus, it prevailed. And so it was for the disciples. Yes, overwhelmed, unprepared, shocked, and really not looking forward to what Jesus just told them was going to happen for a time. But theirs was not a parade of broken, hopeless, defeated, questioning people who went around aimlessly without reason or purpose, lost in the sauce of their mourning and their sadness because the kingdom was delayed. That was not what you saw in these disciples. That's not what the Spirit of God came to them for. Theirs was a parade of faithful, hopeful followers of Christ. Theirs was a parade of God-inspired truth and lives of holiness that would change the world. They would go before governors and kings celebrating Jesus regardless if they were going to get bombarded with stones or run through with swords or losing their heads or hung upside down. They would continue to go to the ends of the earth with joy and gratitude in their hearts because they knew Jesus. And they know the end of the story. And they know that Jesus keeps his promises. That his kingdom will come and it will be good and it will be glorious and they will be in it. And until that day, they will be faithful. Theirs was a parade of God-inspired truth. And it changed the world. Twelve, well, at that point, eleven guys set out with knowing Jesus and letting everybody know about Jesus and it's covered every continent on earth. Even the Northlanders where my ancestors came from got it. You know, the early church is Lord. That Lord is our Lord. Their mission to tell the world the good news and to live lives of holiness, that's our mission. That we would be just like them. That we would invest our lives, that we'd leave everything that needs to be left so that we can follow Jesus and put Him first in our lives. 
And, and in that relationship, know Him and be known by Him. And then from that place, the only thing you can do is then tell the good news and let other people know about Jesus. Know Him, make Him known. That was the disciples' empowered and inspired mission. That's the church's mission today. God help us be that church. Amen. Let us declare our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for calling us here today to be in your presence, among your people, to commune with you. We offer our thanks for your goodness. We offer our thanks for your love of us. We offer our thanks for the freedom and prosperity you have entrusted us with. If it gives you glory, continue to bless your church on earth with faith, obedience, a heart for you, and each other. Lord, in your mercy. Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for showing us the way of the kingdom. We give you thanks for your example of service, for the life we find in and through you. If it gives you glory, correct the errors of our ways. Reshape us and conform us into your image. Make us to be followers of your way. Empower each of us to participate in your mission with enthusiasm and your ministry with gratitude. Lord, in your mercy. Holy Spirit of God, we also ask that you empower the leaders of government and leaders of corporations to be men and women of your will and way. Help them initiate peace and freedom and truth. Help the workers within hospitals and schools heal, build up, and guide the humanity entrusted to them. Holy Spirit of God, we ask that you guard and guide our nation's servicemen and women wherever they are and sustain their families while they are away from home. Lord, in your mercy. We ask that you bless your holy church with bishops, pastors, and leaders who have a heart to love you and serve others. We ask that you protect your church from the deceptions of the evil one so that it may shine your truth in the world. We ask that you bless your holy church with a desire and ability to be disciples of Christ and to make disciples of Christ. Give us joy in worship. Give us hope in learning. Give us purpose in serving. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, lead those who have health to care for the hurting. Secure those who are suffering with faith, hope, and peace. We especially pray for those we name in our hearts now. Lord, in your mercy. 
Into your hands, merciful Father, we commend ourselves, and we commend all for whom we pray. We will trust in your mercy, through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.